0: Welcome to Meta Talks where we bring in experts to dive deep into all things metaverse with your hosts Kate Hancock
1: and Daniel Robbins. Welcome everyone to another episode of Meta Talks brought to you today by IBH Media. So if you need to get media for your project that you are getting funding for and you're in the tech world, send us a message but Sandra H is an incredible individual. Welcome, Sandra. I'm going to read your bio, but I just want to say welcome before I do that.
2: Hey,
0: how are
1: you? Sandra has become now a good friend and we met in Amsterdam, and I think we're going to meet here all around the world. But Sandra H is head of Metaverse and NFTs for Zilliqa and the co-founder of Metopolis with in-depth knowledge and multidisciplinary background spanning across traditional and digital industries. Sandra leads Zilliqa's NFT and metaverse projects across growth, partnerships, strategy, marketing, and conceptualization. Her global experience across Australia, Asia, Europe, and the Middle East enables her to deliver on both strategy level and in execution level. She's a futurist and action leader at heart. Sandra's committed to enriching and innovating the creator economy, Web3, metaverse, and NFT space.
2: God, that's all my bio? I mean, I wow, I do a lot. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um,
0: you know, it, it's fascinating because you are a young female. I met you, a very um, brilliant person.
2: What was your journey like to get where you are? I'm, I'm curious. You know, firstly, I have to say it was really exciting how we all actually met in Amsterdam. Um, I guess we can mention the story at a later stage (laughs) to everyone, but I'm very glad that it happened. So look, I guess my journey into Web3 started, uh, it wasn't really an accident because I was pretty lucky to be at the transition when I graduated from high school and I went to university. It was at that point when a lot of brands and a lot of the, a lot of businesses were going traditional digital. So I ended up being at that forefront of traditional going digital and seeing, you know, um, first, I guess you would say movers and shakers in the, in the, in the space such as Tumblr. Um, you know, I guess everyone had a Tumblr account back then high five. I don't know if a lot of people remember high five or even know high five, but it was around then you had like, you know, all these other things just started popping up. So I was pretty lucky to experience them and be, a strategizer and even, you know, leading, I guess, and working with teams for brands that were going traditional to digital. And now I'm seeing that I'm again at that, you know, that point where brands and individuals are going digital to Web3. So I guess I can consider myself pretty lucky to be experiencing it, but, you know, everything that's happening in Web3 isn't really that, it, it, it's not shockingly new because we were already applying this technology, but. The only difference now is that we're, I guess you could say, using acronyms maybe a bit more, or in you know more directed terms such as metaverse and uh, you know NFTs, um, blockchain <laughs> and all of that. We still did everything that we're doing now, but we kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't say dumbed it down, being the correct term to put it, but we kind of included it more in a traditional sense or approach in a strategy. Wow, how did you?
0: Um, I know you kind of shared the story in Amsterdam about how you get invited to be part of Zilica. Can you can you tell us more about that? This is because it's it's everybody
2: needs to hear it. <laughs> so I was actually part of the Zilica community before I actually joined the team. Um, I was uh, I've been following Zilica since around 2017 ish and uh, been always a part of the team, uh, a member of the community, sorry, and really just loved what they were doing. Like it was my go-to project. And the one day I was kind of thinking, I'm like, you know, I really think they should do this and they should do that and they should pivot and do this. And you know, oh, they're really missing out on doing that. So with all of that in mind, I ended up getting in contact with an uh, ex-employee now, a coworker who moved on and we had a chat. And then that chat kind of led to a job, which then led to where it is now, um, which I think did Dan drop off? No,
0: he's good. (laughs) And Sandra, so you're part of a community, ended up working one of the best companies that's involved in Web3. Like people need to, to be creative of like, it just happens. Sometimes opportunities out
2: there, just being part of a community. Well, you know, I think it's really important is that with Web3, we're all extremely connected and the community plays a pretty big part and role in how a business operates and how a strategy forms. Uh, You know, previously it used to be strategize, build a community. Now it's build a community, interact with it and build a strategy around how you can keep them engaged and returning into, into an incentivization or some sort of communication. Uh, So I think now is a perfect time if someone is a part of a community and they have ideas on how they can make any project or any team or anything better, honestly, speak your mind. Like, you you don't know what could come out of it. Collaboration is key at the end of the day, right? So the more we can collaborate and talk to each other, it really opens doors. And I'm I'm a big believer in connecting people. I like helping others. So I guess if you put that out into the world, it kind of comes back to you, which is good.
0: Yeah, what are some of the exciting things you guys are doing Zillica and Metapolis that you,
2: you're really excited about? God, there's so much happening, to be honest. It's kind of really difficult for me to answer this question because for, on all fronts, there's always something going on because we're involved in so many different industries and so many different across different departments. I guess from my perspective, it would honestly be if we look at NFTs, we're really pushing forward with how we onboard that physical and digital twin. So it's connecting the physical and digital worlds together and just really adding a lot of utility to what goes out into the market we're growing the ecosystem and supporting our projects. And from a Metapolis perspective, I mean, Metapolis is on a whole other level when it comes to, to the metaverse. I mean, our avatar standards are amazing. If you look at the cities that we're building for our partners, and once they're ready to launch, people are just going to be amazed. And even just the technology behind what we're doing, I haven't personally seen it in market yet, and that to me is very exciting because when you shift through the news and you see what's going on, you realize that a lot of what people are talking about doing, you know, we've actually somewhat already implemented and archived on Jira. <laughs> so, for me, it's a, it's a pretty good signal that we're on, a, on the right track for growth and innovation.
0: Yeah, I was looking at your website and the avatar is looking at front. I'm used to hosting an event where we're all backwards, just all in the head. Dan?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Two things. Um, yeah, I know, right? It was they. I know they have the full body now and a lot of them are changing, but I find fascinating. The first thing was you talk about being a part of a community and then becoming a part of the company. I think we're seeing that a lot more now. It's not the first time I've heard this and I think it'll continue to. happen it makes sense right instead of applying for a traditional job right you want to work somewhere where you you feel like you are a part of it and it's something you want to be a part of it seems like it's becoming more and more important um, now versus before
2: just quickly one point on that though is that if anyone has a doubt you know take that transition if you have the opportunity go for it because back then it was never my objective to actually work with Zilliqa Um, I just Was a community member that wanted to help. (laughs) Um, But when it kind of the communication kind of expanded, I already had a position. I was already comfortable. I already knew what I was doing. But I kind of like thought to myself, just jump in, take the leap. You already like the company. You know everything that they're doing. So why not? And uh, that's kind of what I did. And I just focused on it. And it was, it's been pretty good, to be honest. Yeah.
0: Well, that means they're listening to the voice of the community, right? And so, What a great way to be part of! They're really listening to you.
2: Yeah, or maybe I was just really loud, and they had no other choice. But some (laughs) somehow they heard. (laughs)
1: Sometimes it's good to be loud. I have another. I have a a question about um, when it comes to you talked about building out cities for people. Yeah, and so there's one school of thought where, in a virtual world, people buy land. Then there's another one where in the virtual world. They don't buy the land. They buy the building. Right. And then we're seeing all now I think where people are saying, I don't want somebody else's virtual world. I don't want to pay for their land. I would rather have my own virtual world, my own virtual space. So I know that there's multiple um thoughts here or trains of thought. What do you what do you think about you know the future of how the virtual space is going to be?
2: You know we've built our model in metapolis to be more functional and, and user-friendly and i'll go back to the land right if you look at um, how traditionally or originally it was the, a lot of metaverses went to market it was just like you said you know you buy a lot of land and then you have to build on it and then not everyone knows how to build on a piece of land right? which means you have to add extra funds and then who actually owns it and what are you doing what are the limitations so on and so forth we're not building for a vision of scarcity. A lot of what people do now is scarcity, right? You have to buy this land, this plot of land, or it's gonna go, and then there won't be anything left in the metaverse, which really doesn't make sense because the metaverse can be infinite, right? Because it's, you're literally just adding digital space <laughs> on it. So technically, it, it yeah, it doesn't make sense a lot of the times, but a lot of people used to buy these plots of lands or buy lands next to, I don't know, a famous celebrity or some kind of project that they liked, and then, it would just be there it would be stale it doesn't really add engagement right so the model that we went with is that we focus more on building cities so one city within it has domes and land so you as a brand or as an individual uh, let's say you want to purchase a city where you can have your own ecosystem you can use your own token you can launch your own e-commerce your own nfts you can onboard your partners your sponsors anything you can think of right Within your city, you have land that you can sell, lease, rent, or buy to you know, uh, members of the community or whoever. And you also have domes. So these domes act as like a placeholder for what a building could become. So each dome can be designed to replicate whatever you want it to be. The reason we've done that is because we really want to build ecosystems rather than one-off um, stops, right? And that's very important for us because If you see what's already in the market right now that engagement is very high right it's kind of like a split it's it's a split experience you either pop in you do a couple of things you know your avatar does this or like you know a couple of moves and that's it you kind of like pop out and you don't really get to do much other than that we wanted to push it further and we wanted people to really engage to really like connect that physical with the digital so you know we're talking things such as wearables such as um, health and wellness and how that applies to you in both your um, physical world so any movement that you make in reality compared to your avatar and so on and so forth a lot of what we see now are gamified worlds and in a gamified world right the plot of land or the real estate that you purchase acts as a store of assets so it's a value it's a store of value an asset that you utilize to either um, you know make a profit on or build on, and then kind of build a community around. Whereas for us, it's the other way around. We want it to be your next internet, your the next iteration of how you engage, interact, and communicate with others. Now you have e-commerce. Next, we want you to have a city or a dome in Metropolis, and that's how you communicate with people. So, I know, Dan. I hope I answered your question. But uh, for us, the the model kind of changed a little bit because. You know, it's, it's, it's different when you're actually out there building for the future rather than building for, um, you know, gamified observation for, for a community that wants to see what the outside is looking in.
0: Yeah. Question. You're building a cities out there. What are some of the strategies for you to make sure you have traffic to, to get into the community? What do you guys are doing yeah
2: pretty good question because we operate as a metaverse as a service platform right so we don't actually we support our partners with their strategy but we don't actually build their strategy for them Uh, the reason for that is because they know their end user more and they know their product line more
0: i think we're losing sandra is that our wi-fi i
1: know I was going to yeah. shout out to Ryan Murphy because I know he's asked a lot of great questions. He's given a lot of good insights. So, mm-hmm. those watch this on social, read what Ryan is putting. So, thank you, Ryan. But yeah, Sandra, you are back. We got you.
2: Okay, great. We yeah, got you back. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. um, I actually forgot what I was saying, but. Um,
1: you're talking about how do you drive again? traffic? And-
2: oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so, the way that we drive traffic is that we yeah so we don't actually drive the traffic we work with our brands and partners on supporting their strategy um because at the end of the day you know they know their end user they know their business model we know the industry and we know how to apply blockchain and web3 technology to it so for us it's more you know why don't you guys put nfts into this point and add this kind of utility and you know you can gamify it doing this or this is the kind of incentive you can give this is how you can grow the community so it's a mix of both of us working together but at the end of the day it's not our main focus to um, I guess you could say market their their strategy it's it's more up to them because uh, I guess the best example I can give you is think of Shopify right uh, you can open an e-commerce store but it's not up to Shopify to market your store you still have to go out and do the do the work but they do support you with integration and setting up so
0: yeah absolutely it was just very creative I love how. How did you guys come up with met ass service? Like, Met, like instead of SaaS, then you got a met ass. Who who created that term? It's um, actually met ass.
2: Yes. I like that. I'll probably start using that, actually. I'm going to be head
1: of <laughs> met ass.
0: Hey, it's way more.
2: That's catchy,
1: though. That might take off.
2: Met ass. Met ass. Yeah. Met ask me about anything. I like that um so you know the reason why the reason why we we wanted to do this is is because if you have every single okay if you look at the space now right everyone is building is off building their own metaverse on let's say a different chain a different kind of um what do you call it using different wallets having a different approach right that doesn't allow for engagement because it's you, you cannot move so imagine if you had to change a browser every time you had to visit a certain website. Chances are you probably won't do that, right? It's going to be very limited in the approach and the interaction that you have with certain sites or with certain products. Um, And another reason for that is, you know, this is another example I like to use, which is cars, right? Cars are amazing. Uh, You know, I have one, you have one. They get us from point A to point B. Everyone loves Uber, but That doesn't mean i'm out there building a car right because i don't know how to i know how to drive it but i don't know how to build it not everyone is equipped to build a metaverse that's built for safety for security and for growth and scalability the whole team at metapolis comes from a deep tech background so we all know exactly how to apply technology how to apply safety and how to apply you know compliance and just to make sure that it is scalable it is innovative and we can keep building and at some point in the metaverse, there will be a part of of engagement where these roles need to be able to communicate and connect with each other. So an avatar needs to be able to move from, you know, point A to point B freely within the metaverse. I'm trying to avoid as much as I can to say interoperability because I can't actually pronounce it. (laughs) But um, you kind of get what I'm trying to say. But, you know, so for us, it's very important that that happens and if everyone is off Building on a separate chain, it's difficult to achieve that, right? So mm-hmm. this is why Metaverse as a Service came around because we wanted to make it easy for brands and individuals to onboard into the Metaverse in a safe, secure, um, innovative, tech-focused environment. Love that.
0: So, can you tell us about Metropolis interoperability standards? See, you're not the only one. Kim, <laughs> interoperability <laughs> standards. Interoperably.
2: Yeah. Um, so I, you know, that our vision is, is for <laughs> It starts with, you know, ha- building these cities and having them open to be usable across different, um, economies and communities. Uh, like I said previously, you can launch your own token and use your own token in every city. And that doesn't mean it has to be split, right? So we've made it that you can still communicate and have a fully functional economy while having your own token in the city. And have it open to others from the outside coming in. Uh, if I was to talk to you about the standards that we use for our avatars, I'll be giving out a lot of information that we haven't gone out with PR yet. So I'll keep that in the I'll keep that locked in. But you know, definitely keep an eye out for, for what's coming from, from our end. Um, there are there's a lot of innovation that happens. And right now a lot of people are kind of looking at the metaverse in a split approach, right? You have your avatar and then you have your plots of land, and then you have your digital assets. But all of these should merge and form into one, one metaverse, right? Um, right now, it's still a split experience. People are innovating avatars, but they're not really working on digital assets, meaning if this avatar is fully innovated, then it might not be able to cooperate and you know uh, exchange metadata with the digital assets, meaning you're kind of like leaving out a certain item or a certain world or a certain plot of land. There needs to be that standard where we can all communicate in the same. It's very similar to, you know, exporting a file in .jpg or .png, right? It, it, everyone accepts a, a different output um, from, from how to communicate and how to coordinate. So, you know, this is something that we need to also pay attention to in the metaverse. And we became part of the metaverse standard forum not that long ago. And, you know, even though we're kind of like keeping a closed ear, an eye on what's happening, you can tell that there are people out there who do kind of share the same vision and a similar vision, but the main driving force is going to be from projects that started in blockchain in Web3, and they're the ones driving this vision. It's definitely not going to come from big companies that were successful in Web2 coming into Web3. And the reason for that is because Web3 solves a lot of issues that Web 2.0 did not see. <laughs> so yes. this is why the driving force cannot be from them. It will come from people like us who are solving real world issues that we've dealt with on a day-to-day basis, you know?
0: Yeah, can you expand that to us? I love that statement, uh, Web 3.0 solving a lot of um, issues that Web, 2, uh, Web 2.0 is not you know, fixing. Can you, can you give us some
2: example of that for people to understand? Yeah, sure. I mean, look, it can really apply across industries. One perfect way can be just even the, the creator economy, right? Previously, a lot of creators, uh, well, designers, I'm, I'm going to use NFTs as an example here, because it's probably the best one to connect with, right? Other than financial, the financial uh, aspect of you being in control of it, if we look at uh, digital artists, previously back in Web 2, right, they would graduate from university. They put their work on Behance or Dribble, and any other platform and hope that someone would hire them as a designer or, you know, unlawfully take their, take their creation, put it on a T-shirt and then sell it. And then, you know, they walk into a store, get surprised, file a lawsuit, nothing happens, that's it. What Web3 has done is that it's given the power to a new artist, to a new creator, where it's put the individual and the core of everything that happens. And it said to them, as long as you know how to utilize and make use of your skill and experience, you can make a living from doing what you love and you can tap it so many avenues and you can collaborate with brands that you never thought possible. You know, right now the, the collaboration aspect has kind of balanced itself out before, I mean, yesterday Tiffany and co announced that they're going to be putting out a pendant with the crypto punks. you know, go back a couple of years ago, that probably wouldn't have happened, right? Tiffany & Co was kind of like, you know, a high level, not that it's not high level anymore, but you get what I mean, right? Now to have a Tiffany & Co pendant doesn't, it's not taken away from the luxury, but you can tell that they're trying to enter this new space and, you know, look at the Gucci and the, um, the Gucci movement that Gucci has been doing with Web3 and the metaverse as well, right? They really want to be at the forefront of this technology. Have they done it right? I guess it really depends on who you ask and what their vision is. Have they built it to be uh, an ongoing engagement platform? Not yet. I think they haven't done that yet. But they have certainly started to gamify how people interact with them. Um, and that's actually pretty good, right? Because it's somewhat shifted sentiment. And I can give you a perfect example. I know a lot of people who previously wouldn't have wanted to purchase Gucci, but because now they're seeing them kind of being open to blockchain, to Web3, they're like, oh yeah, I might I might grab me, I don't know, a Gucci bucket hat or some Gucci sneakers and walk around, why not, you know? Because they've kind of tried to break into this movement that's happening. Um, so for yeah. me, Web2 brought a lot of power to an influencer, right, you you, you logged into Instagram, people built profiles of who they were, and they were able to kind of sustain a living from that. What Web3 is doing is that it's balancing the equal playing field for everyone and saying, as long as you have a skill, as long as you have a talent, you can honestly make use of it and bring a lot of value at uh, to you know businesses, consumers, your followers, and even yourself, and keep it ongoing. Think of it as a really, really long loyalty program that people can belong to. Um,
0: love, yeah, yeah. I love that Gucci analogy, and I mean, you know, real life experience. I mean, I, I have a. 16-year-old son said, oh, I like your Gucci shoes because, of course, yeah. he's so in Roblox. He plays in Roblox. But it's smart for brands to really start doing it. But I love what you're saying. They're not doing it in an ongoing in a platform. Like, it has to be continuous to kind of not just, like, let's put a white flag out there because we're the first. It does, yeah. Yeah, so, and I know you talk about engagement a lot, Sandra, in this Web 3.0 world. What are some of the best strategies you would advise for brands to get involved in this space when it comes to engagement?
2: Yeah, you know, it's a very good question. you're throwing all the good questions at me, Kate, today. Um, <laughs> you know, it really it really would depend on on the industry, right? Because each industry would have its own way of engaging with its end user. Uh, I can give you, for example, if you look at esports and what we're doing with our esports partners, a lot of a lot of esports and sports in general, these communities kind of operated in different silos, right? and now we're starting to see these walls break down now esports sports and even gaming are somewhat primed to all three of them achieve a similar vision in keeping that engagement with the end user ongoing and you know not just on field or on game but continuously able to tap into and running or, and running like 24/7 the only way they can do that is through a metaverse play or through an nft aspect of it right because if you infuse nfts and if you fuse the metaverse nothing is stopping me right now from being able to open up um, you know through ar or web an experience put out by my favorite team be a part of it see who else is playing around you know engage with them and keep that ongoing so that experience doesn't need to be split anymore because previously you go to a basketball game right You'd watch your favorite team. You'd all, you know, get riled up at the game. You'd have a couple of beers, uh, and then that's it. It ends at the end of the arena, and everyone goes home, right? Unless you all go to a pub. But you can continue that experience, right? You don't even need to go to the to the stadium anymore. You can be in the comfort of your own, in your own place, in your own home, and you can still engage with others. You can see what they're doing. You can even have, you know, digital elements that allow you for vip access or areas that you couldn't in the physical world you know happen so for example if i held an nft a certain nft maybe that would allow me to unlock special behind the scenes or locker scenes that i can view before the actual game right i mean a lot of people would love that that's engagement that is ongoing that's engagement that people want to be a part of because a lot of people like actually having that involvement and being able to build these memories with what they like and the industries that they belong to um so yeah i guess look i can can honestly go off on a tangent quite honestly about how how engagement can be added but it really just comes down to what value are you bringing to the end user and why would they always want to be interacting with you and your business there are so many brands out there these days and people are fighting to get the attention of a customer and our attention span has just gone down massively. I mean you know it's it's you you're looking at a website and then all of a sudden you're on YouTube and then you're playing on a different laptop I mean I mean I personally have an iPad on my left and I have another laptop open on my right and I'm just I have numbers and I have screens showing me different things right So even though I'm here right now my attention span is just zooming all over <laughs> and this is exactly what it is right now brands and individuals looking at entering the space, they need to understand that this attention span needs to be shared across multiple avenues and across multiple industries. They need to really collaborate. They need to bring value to the end user, because if you're not adding value to my life and time, chances are I won't be inter- interacting with you and I won't be engaging. And that's a decision we can take. And that's the beauty about what three is that we can now take this decision and not have it impact our life in a way that is going to be massively, you know, um, actually, I'll give you a perfect example. A couple of years ago, I decided I don't want to be on Instagram anymore. And every time I went somewhere, people were like, what, you're not on Instagram? How do you know what's happening? How do you know what's going on? And to be honest, for a while, like the first couple of weeks, I did feel disconnected from life. I was like, what are people eating? Who's ever... What are they drinking? What's going on? (laughs) I didn't know what was going on anymore. But then you kind of, you know, you start to adapt and you start to find new ways to interact and to find news and all of that. And it's the same in Web3 right now, right? If I'm not interacting with this brand or this project, then chances are I'm doing it with someone else. It's whoever adds value that's going to be the winner. Wow.
0: yeah so um it's fascinating uh, talking about instagram now that you mentioned about it the creator's economy it's fascinating because i would do sometimes reels right and then i get paid but if i have a reel that is over 5 million of views i didn't get paid for that because i didn't click one
2: button to get paid like can you make it seamless <laughs> <Dennis, laughs> yeah or, you know, they they you'd think that by now they'd know that if you've got 5 million views, you expect to somewhat get paid, right? <laughs> yes. no. I guess it's that kind of common, common knowledge, right? But it's, I guess, common knowledge sometimes when it comes to business. it. And again, I, I don't want to be that person that plays the, the devil here. But, you know, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a week ago, I put out uh, on LinkedIn. It was a comment about the move from Minecraft in regards to not allowing NFTs on the platform. You know, and a lot of people were kind of like, oh, we want to protect the kids. While I do understand that, I don't think people understand that kids are extremely connected and they are very much in the know. <laughs> and if they're not being you know, taught about NFTs or interacting with them on Minecraft, they're going to be doing it on many other platforms. Trust me. The way to protect people is by educating them. This is good. This is bad. This is the right way to do it. This is the bad way to do it. But it's fine because I understood why this move happened because while it was put under protecting the kids, and I'm not saying that that's not why they did it, there is an element also for a lot of brands that they're just simply not ready to update their business model, which is working for them. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, <laughs> you know, because Web3 is just getting started. It's, it's not, you know, you don't, not everyone has to dive into the deep end. Some people can still use the stairs and go down in the, you know, the kiddie pool. know, tap their feet and water and then decide to jump in, it's fine, it's okay, it's not a rush. We are still in the phase of education. And the more people understand that, the better that they'll get at knowing how to build or pivot their strategies and their model. Education is protection. Education is knowledge. And the more we educate and the more content we put out, the more we can shift this space to become one that's built on trust, communication, collaboration and education, which to me are, you know, very important because accountability can exist with decentralization. You know, decentralization doesn't need to mean the Wild Wild West and things are, you know, it's a free for all and people are doing whatever they want. Absolutely, Dan?
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's fascinating what you said about, uh, like with sports and how you, you know, you continue the interaction. So it got me thinking, I think most of us, probably don't want all the biggest players to control the next iteration of the internet. I think most people would say no, but at the same time, um, I was just thinking about like sports teams or uh, like NBA, NFL, you know, these big organizations, if they want to add components, they're going to have to hire companies, which is going to give a lot of people opportunity. So instead of somebody necessarily creating their own, like creating something of their own, they can go to these companies and maybe you know be an add-on service so maybe they do the locker cam like camera stuff or video footage or maybe they do a component of for these larger organizations giving you know more people to thrive so it's like there's a great thing about having large companies being on board and, and going in because it's also giving other people an opportunity but at the same time like you mentioned you know the the smaller companies the people that are getting started now the people that have been doing it for a few years where it's taking off are really going to help shape, shape the next, uh, you know, next form of the internet and web three and technology.
2: Yeah. We see a lot of third party providers who are actually way ahead than what a lot of big brands are. And the, you know, this, this happens across web two Even, you know, sometimes uh, this is why sometimes they outsource in-house uh, PR or what's meant to be in-house creative and all of that. Some people are good at what they do. And the beauty of Web 3 is that, just like you said, Daniel, is that you don't need to see it as that blockage anymore. If anything, you should invite them into your strategy and see what value they can add. Because we don't need to be the kings of kings when it comes to knowing everything anymore. It's okay to let others kind of do their thing and just work together to to build a strategy.
0: Yeah. Sandra... I know I saw this post on LinkedIn, who's going to be ahead, of VR or, or AR. I know people are fighting about it. Like, can we just, what's your thought on that? Like, can we just, get it all, all in one. And it's, it's important. You know? But I love how people like, you did this, you did that, and this is what you do. I mean, like, tell us your input about it.
2: You know, I... I'm gonna have to reference LinkedIn again, but I actually put a post about that because I've heard that fight so many times to the point where now whenever someone mentions it, I just like log off and I'm like, all right, see you guys. Um, both can exist. It's okay. <laughs> each one has its own each one has its own element of engagement that it adds and value, right? AR compared to VR, they both do completely separate experiences, they both build completely separate environments and they can both operate with each other to add value. It doesn't need to be this or that. For us to expect everyone to walk around with an Oculus Rift or any other, I don't know, headpiece in their back pocket is a bit unreasonable. And for us to expect everyone to have a, a mobile phone or, or a hardware you know, laptop that can activate AR technology is also unreasonable. So whatever you're comfortable with, whatever experience you want, both can coexist. I, I personally really don't like this idea of it's this or that. Many things can coexist. <laughs> and the more we try to make these things coexist the better it'll be for everyone in regards to tech life in general and everything when it comes to you know forming an idea about it you know i spoke about confirmation bias not that long ago because i felt it was very important for people to understand that a lot of the times the news that we hear or the or the uh, or even just the visuals that we see they kind of push us to form this this idea or this memory that might not be accurate right and then it becomes hard for us to take in new knowledge that confronts what we already believe i would encourage everyone to honestly just start brand new you know look at everything brand new do your own research see the value add see the benefits and then form your own opinion without that bias because it becomes very difficult to kind of debate with someone when they say to you oh but you know this this and this happened in blah 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 but I can give you an example of what happened back in so-and-so, and then, you know, we kind of come to a standstill. There's always examples that you can give, but at the end of the day, we need to focus on the added value that this is bringing to our life. Both AR and VR can coexist, and I don't see why one needs to be the winner, to be honest. I mean, one is more accessible, yes, but maybe in the future, the other one could become two, and then, you know, it's a win-win for all. <laughs> what are your thoughts on it?
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, for me, I mean, everyone's fighting about it, but there's bigger, I mean, it's all like, we're building a a whole new universe, right? And there's so many different planets out there, like a solar system. Everyone needs each other, all of that components. And I mean, it's good that people are talking about it because it kind of creates hype and people are becoming more creative. Like, oh, what about this, right? It it, kind of starts the conversation. But I think for us to really build a better metaverse or web 3.0. We really have to work together instead of arguing, busy, yeah. busy arguing. Oh, this project is XYZ. I mean, like, yeah, yeah it's yeah. a good conversation, but like, it's hard to unite right away, especially in a new space. We talk about it, Dan, like, it's like everyone being put in, a, in, a, in, a, in an island and you have to figure out who's going to be the leader of the tribe, and everyone's fighting, like, I'm going to build a bigger house. Like, it's fascinating because it's so new, but that's a good analogy.
2: Bro. Isn't that a book called Lord of the Flies? I think I had to read it in high school, so if I'm not mistaken. I think they were like kids on an island, there were like one person. I don't know, I can't remember the story now. But you know, it's actually really funny because this is like that fight between what's better, Coke or Pepsi. To be mm. honest, both taste good. Sometimes I like Coke, sometimes I like Pepsi. It just depends on the burger. <laughs> it really but both are pretty good, you know, and it depends on where you are in, in yeah, I mean in the Middle East everyone drinks Pepsi. Right? Yeah. But if you yeah. leave the Middle East, everyone drinks Coke. So even yeah, it's it's same for me for AR and VR. It really is all about, you know, access and what people are more comfortable with. And most importantly, it's each one gives you a different engagement and a different experience. And it's up yeah. to the brand on how you receive it, how they want you to receive it. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Yeah,
1: no, it's it's really interesting with because I think technology advances further than human beings can adapt. I think we've seen that. And I think we're seeing that now, like, like you're saying, human behavior will always be. It doesn't matter if it's what generation of the internet. It's like we were the same 20 years ago that we probably are today in terms of our ability to adapt. And so technology moves moves so far ahead and it's so advanced that it's fascinating. That I think that's why we see such a gap where some people can adapt, some you know most people can't. Some people pick it up, most don't. Um, so I'm I'm excited though. Kate, we were just talking this morning around uh like some human behavior elements and how we're seeing some things shape like with NFTs was a good example. It moves so quick. It's like we went through three or four different generations already in like a year and a half time when it really like exploded. Um, and I've never really seen that something like that happen so fast with technology. Uh, which it's great and it's great to be on the ride. So, so excited. Sandra, thank you so much. We'd love to hear. Let
0: me talk about the NFT because that's really fascinating. For some reason, NFT, like this for me, for my personal opinion, it is a hit and run, right? It was good in the beginning and then it died down. I think I believe in technology myself. Like that's going to be your ticket master. But the idea of selling it X amount of money for a photo, that's not really long-term, but... But then you're still kind of seeing a brand new project that they thought it was just, no, that was like last year, right? Like it's so, it's moving too fast, but I love how people still very embracing about it. They wanted to um, really do it, but knowing the market of what it is now, the current buyer of what we are now, it's changing so fast. You got to like pivot and adapt like this fast.
2: Well, especially with NFTs, right? Because NFTs, when they first kind of got their hype, it was primarily focused on PFPs. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people kind of were building communities around that PFP and what it did. And then they tried to expand on it. But the issue is is that NFTs hold a lot more utility than just the art world. Um, Even the art world is not ready for NFTs. If you actually go to traditional galleries and a lot of, I mean, Sotheby's aside and and the rest are, are kind of dabbling into it. A lot of them still don't understand how we can apply across their model or how to even utilize it for their artists. But then you have a whole bunch of other industries such as the luxury industry, the health and wellness industry, education, um, you even have sold-bound tokens now. Uh, I mean, there's so many things that can be done with NFTs and people are so fixated on the first few that they've seen. And now everything, when you say NFT, they just straight away think, oh, you must be talking about the, I don't know, the llama or the, I don't know, the penguin or something like that, right? It's like, no, like NFTs actually hold a lot of value. They can be applied across multiple industries and they can do so many things. And even the art world hasn't fully embraced NFTs at all. Um, So yeah, NFTs are pretty interesting. And I think the more people understand them, the, the more they embrace it, the better it is. But I get exactly what you mean, Kate. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, why would I purchase something that I can just save? On my laptop. And I'm like, true. Why would you? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> yeah, well, I, don't, I don't know.
1: You, mentioned it. you said it earlier, though, around it's like exposure, right? So, for example, media creates hype. And with media, they want celebrities, they want drama. So, once that's like you're talking about utilizing, for example, the technology to do some sort of medical advancement actually is not really exciting in the media world, right? They want to talk about, you know, a celebrity dropping a PFP or maybe some drama around it. And so I think a lot of people, if they're not in the communities, they're not like, most people are not really in the technology. You know, most people are, I'd say by 90 something percent are, you know, day to day are not really going to be doing anything. They might not be listening. Um, They're not educating because it just doesn't really fit into their life. But what they do is they they turn on, you know, the news, they turn on, they look at what's on the internet on a major, you know, on your Google news, on your phone. And what they're seeing is, you know, like you mentioned, the NFT is this, and they don't know about all these other things. So I think it's good that more people are putting the emphasis on what else can you do? Like, for example, we just had um, Jeremy Dalton from PwC. And I was reading something he just posted around, uh, being able to use, I think it was VR and twins, right? And how they can do some medical advancements, um, separating twins
2: yeah, and join
1: twins. So like, that's amazing, yeah. but most people are not seeing that because all they want, you know, the, the news wants to talk about the next celebrity failure or the next celebrity, you know, endorsing something.
2: I think it's, I'm quickly just going to give my opinion on this being conscious of time is that actually a lot of celebrities haven't really been very successful with NFTs. I think Chris Brown is a perfect example of this and a couple of others. Right. Um, it really does come down. I think people more in the space now are starting to understand the true value that an NFT or any kind of monetary value they put to an item, what it brings back to them. So that's point one. But point two is when it comes to the media, right? Medical advancements are come are somewhat expected. So by us saying that, you know, oh, now this doctor did that, people expect this from them because, you know, it's the medical field, you know, they expect them to be able to do all of these. And also, don't forget, we have TV shows such as, I don't know, The Good Doctor, where this amazing genius doctor, you know, can just look at you and be like, oh, she has a migraine, so her left ankle must be broken and give her a back scan or, you know what I mean, like they... TV and the media plays a very big part in how people think advancement should be. So when we come out and say now with VR, a doctor was able to, you know, see how this would work. Sci-fi movies had already been showing us that this is possible. So that's not really a shock tactic anymore. It's not shocking to them. If anything, it's like, oh, okay, I thought they could already do that. But when you come and you show them this entire new approach or new thing, I mean, who would have thought... I mean, this wasn't even in movies, right, that you can take an image of the Internet, mint it on the blockchain and then sell it for, I don't know, what was it, like $80,000 or $100,000 or even $100 million. That is shocking to people because they're like, shit, I could have done that. And that's what people like. It's the factor of saying this is so simple and so easy. Why didn't I think of it? Why didn't I do it? And this is how you win people over but people expect the medical field to constantly, constantly sorry be advanced and to be moving forward this is why you know coming out and saying this doesn't really shock them they've already seen it in movies but i, I completely get what you're saying daniel yeah,
0: that's amazing now sandra what is the big vision for silica
2: and metopolis big vision uh, well, taking over the world, um, <laughs> being the go-to chain, no, it's, it's definitely, you know, helping mass, mass adoption occur and really pushing forward with the creator economy. For us, it's very important that we build, uh, that we support, sorry, we support and we build dApps that help the user interact with the blockchain through seamless integration and usability. So that's paying a lot of attention to the NFT standards that we put out, to the designs that we put out, to the UX UI that goes out. Because the more people interact with blockchain without feeling like they're adding a new barrier uh, to their already existing day-to-day, this is when you win in the market and this is how you kind of get people used to to interacting with you and your chain. Uh, you know, Zillica is actually one of the world's top leading L1s, to be honest. We, I mean, we're known for our sharding technology, um, even though you know we probably didn't invent sharding in general we were the first to bring sharding to blockchain and this is something that a lot of block, a lot of layers right now are looking at implementing we are able to scale pretty quickly it it supports our scalability and even as a as a as a layer zillica allows it, think of it as a one stop shop right you can come to zillica you can launch a token you can play with nfts you have a metaverse play you know you pretty much can do a lot of what other layers kind of depend on third party for or other kind of programs for right? Whereas for us, it's a good team, it's a solid project. The layer is pretty good. Uh, Metapolis is just amazing. I mean, our vision is to just continue building and innovating the space, putting a lot of attention on the avatar and what that means to identity and just how can we onboard brands, individuals into the space without them feeling like it's uh, it's it's a daunting, I guess you could say, experience or move pivot from the original um, engagement layer.
0: And who is Sandra's mentor? You you just drop a lot of you know wealthy <laughs> opinion. Who's your mentor, and what news do you look for? I mean, you just know so much, Sandra. There's so much in you in that brain that we could dissect it. And, and but
2: who's your mentor? Oh God, who's my mentor? Honestly, I'm a very looked up person. I don't really like. I I kind of I I kind of like communicate with people that I know. And I just start a lot of conversations, but as a mentor mentor, you know, I,
1: I can't really. Is there somebody who you look up to in this space that you're like, I like to follow this person and, and listen to them, what they're doing.
2: You know, there's a lot of people who are really good at what they do and they add a lot of value to the, to the space. Uh, And I think for me, it's always been, everyone has their own journey and everyone you know, everyone has their own path in life and how they take in information. And this is something that I've always believed in is that even if I do read a certain, I don't know, piece online or, or whatever I get my news from, it's very important for me to take it back, dissect it, and then I add my own perspective on it because that's, to me, is very important and that's what I encourage everyone to do. Um, to be honest with you, you know, answering that question is going to be a bit hard because, you know, I think the two hardest questions I've ever had to answer was this one you just asked me and another one that asked me, what are your hobbies? And I was like, oh, shit, I have not done anything outside of work for many, many years. <laughs> so um, that's your good hobby? question. Hotel. Living in a hotel. There you go. Why well, always living in a yeah, traveling, <laughs> traveling I to do. panels? <laughs> I always
1: wondered that. Yeah. How come work can't be your hobby? Like, why is it that people have to have, you know, some sort of hobby outside of what, what they enjoy doing?
2: yeah Yeah, i like working to be honest it's fun i love what i do i think i'm it's always exciting i mean on a day-to-day i speak to over a hundred projects and a hundred founders and you know get to i get to see their pitch deck and i get to know what they do and i get to speak to them on you know what's their vision and what i get kind of get to guide them as well and i get to set directions for you know what should we do with the metaverse and what should we do with silica and all of that so in a sense, yes, it is. It is a hobby, and I think even just the term "hobby" in itself—you know—you don't need to go out to—I don't know—play hockey or play basketball for you kind of now zoning out is is kind of you know shutting my MacBook and opening up my ASUS Rockstrix and just playing a game. You know, I'm still in the metaverse. I'm still doing something that has to do <laughs> with with what I like doing. Um, so you know, I guess for me, a hobby and work—they don't. I mean as long as you find a balance where you're not really burnt out. And I think it's very important that people understand that burnout is real. As long as you can get to a point where you're getting overshadowed with that feeling of being run down, then, you know, you're you're pretty much looking after yourself. And that's, what's important is just stay safe, stay mentally safe. That is, you know, I I do a lot of um, breathing exercises, so i wake up early in the morning and i do a little bit of meditation like i just sit down in silence i don't really start work until a certain time in the day uh, i have breakfast like i have a routine that i follow and that kind of keeps me on track to just staying mentally active and i think it's important for people to have that in life because it helps them stay balanced and that's important Love it. Yeah.
1: yeah well thank you so much so make sure that you share where can people check everything out? Where can they find more information?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, you can catch me on Twitter at Sandra underscore T-L-I-B-E and on LinkedIn on Sandra H. Um, it's the same picture that should be on your banner. It's the only picture I use, so it <laughs> should be easy to find. It
0: makes it consistency. Well, we're so honored having you here. a great chat and as we progress this emerging technology we'd love to have you back in the next few months
2: amazing thank you so much and i'm looking forward to seeing you at the next event
0: thank you for listening please rate review and subscribe and visit metatalks.com that's talks with a Z.